people welcome back to another esl podcast i'm your host arsenio as usual and today is another corporate finance monday i'm so excited about this again we're probably only gonna have about two this month as a matter of fact and it's because i'm bringing on other interviewees you know i potentially maybe having people jump onto an instagram live where i have to record the audio so that i can share you some of the student successes and stuff like that so i'm so so excited about all that but nonetheless today it's another Corporate Finance Monday. Very excited about this one. And today we're going to be going back to Polini. Okay. So first, going back to the previous podcast, what source of finance does your company use? That's number one. Number two, we are going to listen to Polini's management team discussing different sources of finance. Okay. So there's equity finance, there's retained profits, and there's debt finance. So what's going to happen here, they're going to be using, you know, modal verbs of obligation to recommend, such as it's necessary, it's recommended, it's not recommended, it's possible, et cetera, et cetera. All right. And so this one is going to be a very good one. Again, I would, I would love to have people do their little segments in terms of how their business operates and everything, but we'll probably get to that later on. Now, remember, we only have, a oh man, we probably have just two months left max in terms of corporate finance and then we're either going to be going into logistics or supply chain and management on monday so whichever one you would like to learn about first let me know and then from there we're going to go from there so with that being said people let's dive into this corporate finance and prepare for the audio okay i know there are a lot of options but we have to make a decision well, we can't raise equity. We're too small to float on the exchange, and I don't want to seek investment from outside. No, I agree. We shouldn't increase the number of directors. Personally, I think we can raise the money ourselves. We've got quite a big reserve, and we're making regular profits. Yes, we could do that, but I think it would leave us exposed. We should protect our cash carefully. Yes, I agree with Marcus, and it would take quite a while to raise the money. I guess that's true. Well, we can approach a bank, you know, get a loan. Yeah, I think that's the best option. That would give us enough cash pretty quickly. But we might struggle to service the debt if the repayments are too high. Yes, but we don't have to repay the loan immediately. We can delay payments until the new venture is online and service the debt from the operating profit. Can we do that? Yes, I think so. Then that reduces the risk. I think that's the most attractive option. Yes, it has its own risks, but it doesn't put the same pressure on our operations as the other forms of finance do. There you go. It doesn't put enough pressure or it doesn't put that much pressure on their form of operations as the others do. So there's a lot of recommendations and there's a lot of different ideas that are floating in this specific meeting, right? And what you have to do and understand that you know, when you, <clears throat> like I told you in the last podcast, when you start a business on a loan, that is the dumbest thing you can do. You know, there are so many people out there who, uh, you know what, and to put it into perspective, I don't want to talk about the huge news that had happened out here in Thailand, but it's crazy how we deem people to be very rich, but yet they are broke. And there was a huge news, <clears throat> huge news had broken out here in regards to <clears throat> excuse me again oh my god okay there was huge news in regards to 
what had happened out here in regards to an actress. Now, I don't want to get into all the particulars, but let's just say she was, you know, they said it was an accident, but she was actually killed. And it was somebody very, very high in this country who ended up having her, you know, not not so much calling out a hit, but she let's just say she used to be a call girl. However, she was an actress. She was a singer and all that money, all that actress and all those things that she was doing. She was five million bot in debt. So we're talking about one hundred and fifty thousand USD in debt. So she had to do these types of things to be able to overcome that. That that, that came from, you know, consistently borrowing money and not paying it back. Whether it's at loans, whether it's at banks, whatever it may be. And this is why I just don't understand people. I don't understand their ideas. I don't understand how <clears throat> they go about, you know, literally like building up their own finance because I'm just looking at them and I'm saying, listen, you guys are buying a car, okay? You're buying cars, but yet you don't actually have the money to buy a car. You're buying a car simply because you want to make, make it look like you do have money, but you really don't, you know? And so other news had come out here. <clears throat> and I told you guys that, you know, things do happen in this country where it's just very head scratching. And one of them is when you see, um, you know, policemen have a Porsche. Obviously, you know, there's a significant amount of corruption. And the only reason why they're policemen is because they are above the law and they are just under the other higher ups in this country. So when you see a cop having a Porsche, you're like, where is he getting all this money? You see what I mean? So nonetheless, I'm getting off the beaten path like I normally do, but going back to it, some people who have all this money, and like I said before, it wasn't Floyd Mayweather, it was more like Antoine Walker. He was a former NBA player. He would just give out his money to his entourage. His entourages are people who literally, you know, they're, they're always by his side and, you know, they're friends from, you know, the neighborhood, friends from here, friends from there. And guess what? They ended up making him broke. He ended up filing for bankruptcy. All that money he made, probably more than 70, $100 million, all gone. Because <clears throat> first, he was buying things for people who really didn't care about them. So they looked at him as an ATM and they just took all his money. That's number one. Number two, he bought things that he didn't really need to buy and he wasn't reinvesting whatsoever. This is why LeBron James is so smart because he luckily had very, like, like very financial minded people in his inner circle. And this is why he is the youngest billionaire basketball player ever. It's because of outside endorsements, all the things that he actually creates. It's pretty amazing. Um, but unfortunately, when you just buy cars, when you just buy chains, when you just buy this and buy that, <clears throat> just to get a lot of followers to buy into your idea that there is something that they can do, it's a bunch of BS. And this is what's happening with the influencers right now. So anyways, going back to the company, uh, do not start a company off with a loan. And you need to really think about like, when you start making really big decisions in terms of what Polini's management team was doing in terms of, you know, the sources of finance, listen, you're just going to dig a deeper hole. And so, yeah, you do go on to the market exchange and then you leave yourself exposed. And a lot of people just believe that getting a, a whole bunch of publicity, whether it's free or paid, is going to help them with, you know, their, you know, with the surge in terms of, you know, their finances. And that normally never happens. See, I'm very fortunate that I do work for a tutorial center that has managed to stay afloat. 
Um, and I have no idea how, but uh, they're mar- the marketing team that, uh, you know, the job that I work for, it's just, it's just for visa and work permit purposes here in Thailand. Um, the marketing team is phenomenal. They market and listen, I got students all over Thailand. And guess what? It's all online. So they finally, bit, you know, dove into the idea. Okay, what we need to do is get a hell of a lot better online, you know, because that's what is happening. I remember I tried getting a group of students back in 2019 online at the time. And they were just like, oh, no way. And there were like five students. I could have gotten a big payday out of that. And that's when I just started flirting with a lot of things like online, online, online. I was already thinking about this back in 2015. And I didn't have to pay anything. I didn't have to set up loans or do this or do that. I have a a monthly subscription for Zoom and that is it. And that's what I am so, so grateful for, you know? And so, uh, because, you know, I'm not starting up something that is physical because I know physical is all overhead. And, you know, going to another topic, PayPal. PayPal March 7th was going to reduce all services for people here in Thailand, okay, individual sole proprietors, because obviously the government and the higher ups in this country were trying to look to try to get some more of that COVID money that they lost a lot of during the whole pandemic, apparently, although this, this country is filthy rich, okay, but the thing is, it's in the wrong pockets. So they try nickel and diamond PayPal, and then PayPal started sending everybody emails, hey, by March 7th, your account's going to be limited. You're not going to be able to use it unless you register your business with the Ministry of Finance, one of the most corrupted organizations in all of Thailand. And then all of a sudden, probably just two days before that deadline, I was going to just go with Bank of, you know, my Bank of America and just register, uh, you know, just do my individual sole proprietor with the Bank of America with my W-2 and everything. But then I got an email saying, oh, as a matter of fact, everyone can still and will be allowed to use PayPal and that's it. There is no shutting down of this, no this, no that, no this. Why? Because I think the, the corruption in this con- uh, country had become so unreasonable to the point that, you know, PayPal was like, excuse me, you, wait, you want us to, how much for the people who signed? Are you correct? No, you can't do that. No, no, no. And the next thing you know, that was the end. So do I believe that the government here in Thailand at any moment are going to try to ban PayPal? I don't know if they have the, ability to do that and that's why a lot of people are using you know vpn and stuff like that but ah, it goes to show you it goes to show you that uh you know that there are different ways as a entrepreneur as an individual sole proprietor in terms of making money from my business online luckily i do have stripe and now basically you know being back on paypal thailand instead of having my money go straight to my bank of america it kind of goes straight to my thai bank account but other people, they don't have it so easy. So when I teach online, it's very easy for people to pay me, right? However, when you have a physical business and your overhead is 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 USD a month, and you're only profiting this much, that's why the restaurant business is one of the most difficult things in the world. One of the most difficult things in the world. I'm getting ready to uh, head to Phuket. If not, I haven't already head to Phuket. And if you guys don't follow me on my IG, I suggest you do, because I do post some really cool things uh, there. Cafe Del Mar in Phuket, uh, absolutely gorgeous. But the price is very high. And I'm like, God damn, how much is a pizza? Now, obviously, out here in Thailand, a pizza can range anywhere between $5 to $10. Okay, 
However, pizzas can go up to $10 to $15. And if you pay $15 for a pizza, obviously in America, $15 for a pizza, woohoo! But that's a five-star pizza. The $15 pizza in this country would be about $60 back in America. That's how great the pizza is in this country. But they got to be able to make overhead, man. You think about the land, you think about the finances, you think about the people, they got to pay all the ingredients and this and that. Like I said, there was, I forgot what that lady's name was, but she said a really good restaurant at the beginning of the pandemic has probably three weeks, three weeks of cash flow. After that, they're done. They're going way in over their head. And this is why people, it is a tough business. When you have a business and you want a loan, you want to do this, you want to do that. Out here in Thailand, the, the saturated market right now are cafes. And I was talking to one of my students. She went to Le Cordon Bleu. She's going to be going to France to do this little, um, what is it? Uh, this, I think it's an eight month course to learn uh, patisserie and different, different things that French, obviously French are the best in terms of you know, uh, delicacies in regards to bakery, right? And so she told me, she's like, oh my God, there are so many cafes. It's such a saturated market. And I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. That makes all the sense in the world. Why? Well, it's an easy business to go into. And to even expand on that idea, you don't know who actually funds these cafes, for example, her friend who lives in a province probably about three hours north of here in a very small area, she had a, a regular customer who would always come to her cafe. And then next thing you know, he's like, hey, I want to invest and make a new cafe with you. She's like, what do you do? He's like, oh, oh, I'm, you know, road transport here in Thailand. I'm part of the government. So this guy, as bad as the roads are here in this country, okay, he actually, he doesn't run it but he's part of the government where the government funds him so he could create different roads. And if you guys were to drive here in Thailand, there are only, there, there, the, the, the number of roads that are actually good in this country is very, very, very minimal. And it's simply because there's so much corruption involved. They get people from other countries to build up these roads and in their countries like Myanmar, the roads are the worst things that you could ever imagine. You know, you might, might as well just have dirt roads out there. Okay, and so when you bring all these people in, because you could pay, you know, forced labor and labor in general, very, very minimal, it makes everything just much easier rather than having really, really good roads. The really, really good roads are only by specific areas where the very wealthy families of this country live. Okay, and those are the only roads that are beautiful, they're scenic, they're this, they're that, and outside that, the roads are terrible. So I'm like, listen, if she agrees to doing business with this guy, he at any given moment could literally just take it away, okay? Meaning he could say, hey, listen, I don't wanna do business with you anymore. Hey, I'm gonna take this. And there's nothing you could do because he's with the government. You gotta be very careful with the business you get into <laughs> with people, like I told you in the previous podcast. So, all right, well, after that rant, Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I've got a class coming up right now. So guys, I hope you do well in the next corporate finance episode. We're going to be doing the, the interviews with Samir, Andy, George, and Alex again. These are people who, you know, talk about financial results and everything, just as I've done in the previous podcast. So with that being said, people, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your crazy host, as always, over and out.